Welcome back to the podcast, guys. I hope that you had an awesome two weeks. I know I was away last week. Let me tell you, I have such a story to share with you guys, but I'm going to leave it for another day. Today on the podcast, I have Tori Brick. She has went into her first year this year as a braider, as a full-time braider, Um, and she also has braided many of my clients' horses in the past for shows. So I thought I'd reach out to her and ask her all about tips and advice. And you guys, if you are a horse person like me, you will get so much information out of this episode. We talked about how to look for the perfect yarn and what tools she uses and where to stand and how to quiet horses down and how to prepare them for the braider and all of the nuances and little intricate details when it comes to braiding. So I know that anybody who has a horse that needs to get braided will get lots of information out of this episode. If you have a friend that maybe needs some advice or tips, be sure to share this with them. And if you guys have any questions or you're looking for somebody to braid your horse, you can reach out to Tori. I will leave all of her information in the show notes. And I really appreciate you guys showing up here week after week to listen to these episodes. Even when I have some inconsistencies or changes in the plans, I am so grateful for you and your feedback and your participation. If you're on a platform that allows for rating and review, please make sure you give it whatever you think it deserves or share it with a friend. That way more people can get access to all of the episodes of this podcast. Again, I am so grateful. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you on the other side. Welcome to the Spring in Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Parr, and this is the place to be for all things equestrian lifestyle, horses, entrepreneurship, and inspiration for all of your equestrian endeavors. I'm here to get your insider's addition to what it's really like having a business or career in the equestrian industry and find out how people balance their passion and their businesses. I'm so excited to have you here with me, so come along for the ride. If you're an equestrian looking for a position within the industry, or you have a facility or a business and you're looking to hire, then look no further and visit www.hotec.com. Hote Equestrian is your modern source for equestrian jobs. They are empowering equestrian businesses and enthusiasts through accessible and high quality services and products. On their website, you can look through their recruitment services, business management services, and their essentials boutique. You can also see their featured horse jobs and featured candidates and visit them at HOTEC on Instagram. Did you know that HOTE is based out of Guelph, Ontario, founded by an equestrian, and they have 250 job seekers registered, plus 64 businesses registered on their platform. Make sure you check them out and look at all their free resources and their free business directory on the website. If you guys haven't already heard, Mad Barn is my absolute favorite place to get supplements for my horses, not only because the supplements actually work and they're really palatable for the horses, but because they deliver right to my door. It's so easy. Um, Mad Barn also has been doing amazing things in the equine community. Currently, they have some research going on at the University of Guelph to better understand how nutrition impacts the health of our horses. They're always looking to develop technology and feeding solutions and 
always providing education and support for horse owners and the broader equine community. If you guys want to go to their website and look at all of the products that they have or get a free nutritional analysis for your horse's diet, you can visit it at www.madbarn.ca. And if you're shopping, you can use the code SPRINGANEC for 5% off your order. Okay, so uh, my name's Tori Brick. Um, I got, well, I got into horses when I was younger, like everyone does. And when I wanted to start horse showing, I definitely needed to cut some costs. So I taught myself how to braid. Um, and so when I went to the schooling shows, I went to the shows with your typical learning braids that were never the greatest, but um, I got to practice a lot on my own horses. Um, and in doing that, I kind of got better, learned a little more and was able to start braiding some friends' horses and just like people that would ask. Um, and that kind of, it just spiraled from there. I always ended up getting more horses and did the local shows in the Trillium Zones. And from there have just kind of built more clientele. And now I braid, this is my first year actually, I'm just starting off. It's my first year full-time braiding. And I braided the gold shows for um, a few barns there. So yeah. I didn't know that you were doing it full time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's my my first year. So it's definitely been a bit of a learning curve. Um, it was a bit of a leap of faith to, to yeah. take it on full time, but here we are. Oh my gosh, amazing. Well, what a good time to hop on the podcast. I love that. <laughs> um, okay, this is another question too randomly that just popped in my mind besides all the other ones I have for you. Since you've been doing it full time, is it physically demanding like do, do you feel like your hands and your body are okay after like a season of horse shows yeah so my previous job I was doing landscape construction which is a oh very physical job um so I find it physically taxing but in a very different way because you're standing still for so long um like my body gets sore just because you're not moving and you're not active um definitely like if you do a lot of horses your hands can get tired and stuff so far knock on wood I've been pretty lucky that my hands don't hurt yeah. um so it's it's physically taxing but not in the way that you would think um because you're just you're just not doing much for so long yeah guys this is so cool because um you know I reached out to you I've had you braid lots of our horses over the years <laughs> Um, but I really didn't know that this, that you had actually tried to kind of like take this on as a full-time thing. So, um, I have a couple other like questions around that. Did you find that there's kind of an abundance of work for you or horses to actually be braided? Yeah. So when I did, when I decided this year that I was going to not have my other job and just do braiding, I was really worried that I wouldn't have enough work. To make it worthwhile because I've always had the cushion of a full-time job to kind of like I have a, a standard income I know that it's I know that I have my nine to five and braiding was always bonus yeah. um, so this year has been very different because I only have braiding and I was worried in the beginning that it wouldn't be enough to kind of keep me going and I've been proven very wrong um, <laughs> there's a huge demand for braiders and <laughs> a lot of work to be done <laughs> Okay. This is fantastic. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to circle back around. So the general questions I think that everyone loves to know is first of all, as a braider, you know, what makes you really happy when you show up to actually braid a horse? How have they been prepared and what is the ideal 
situation and you can just kind of like let everyone know that so they know how to best prep their horses yeah so I think I guess it gets a little hard because it's kind of like a just right situation you know not too much not too little um but definitely we love when your horse's manes are washed soap and water manes and tails wash it really well rinse it really well when there's suds left it gets really slippery and hard to braid um preferably the mane should be prepped like it should be pulled however star if you don't know how to perfectly prep your mane it I, any braider would probably rather show up and have to do it themselves with a warning like if you if you don't know how to pull a mane that's okay but just like hey tori this horse probably needs a pull tonight goes a long way um if you do like most people do kind of know how to prep their manes. I would say it's always nice to like leave it a little longer if you don't know the right length. Cause you can, like I can always, braiders can always trim a mane up but you can never add hair back. Um, yeah, for sure. And as far as um, braiding goes, would you, do you prefer, I mean, I think I know the answer to this but for everyone listening, like a thicker mane or like a really well thinned out mane? again like I some horses naturally have thicker manes like that you can never pull enough to make it a thin maned horse other horses don't have a lot of hair and you have to kind of add in some yarn and give them extra volume that they don't have um depending like their crest size makes a difference if they have a super wide crest you're going to need to have more hair and a little thicker of a mane to cover the surface area so it is very much horse dependent but my ideal mane is kind of like the medium thickness, the nice textured hair. It braids really well. It holds really well. And usually when they have a good crusty neck, like it, it presents the braids very nicely. So good. And so maybe you can tell all, everyone a little bit about your favorite, like things that you use for braiding, whether you are like strictly using yarn or you have other purposes for different types of thread if there's any products that you ever use like anything like that yeah so i i'm sure every braider has their own preference um i braid with just water you can always use quick braid it kind of like adds a little extra grip but i prefer just to wet my manes um that gives me enough sometimes depending on like if the horse has some product in their hair or it's a little like, it's too clean. Sometimes if their manes are too clean, it's slippery. I'll yeah. add like there's um, a texture powder I'll add and it kind of gives the hair some grippiness. Or if there's like pink spray in the hair that makes the manes like super slippery. It's really <laughs> hard to braid. If you add some vinegar in your water, it kind of like neutralizes the slipperiness and helps braid normally again. But for me, I like just water for the manes and tails. Um, I use, um, I use a yarn from the States actually. Um, it's called, I love this yarn. It's my favorite. It was my go-to, but there's definitely other kinds you can use. The biggest thing is, is if you're buying your own yarn, when you're going to the store, you want to try and break it. Like you want to pull the end out and pull as hard as you can to see if the yarn will break. And if it breaks, your braider probably doesn't want to use it. If it lets you pull really hard and it doesn't snap, it's probably a good yarn. Oh, that's such a good one. I've never even thought of that. <laughs> I've braided so many manes and ripped so much yarn. I'm sure the Walmart people probably don't love it, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's such a good tip for everyone listening. Um, okay, excellent. And then 
as far as tails go, I mean, they're very different as well, really depends on the horse. But I think the biggest problem is probably like a thinning top of the tail. Um, what types of ideas or suggestions do you have for people that need to braid a tail that is maybe quite thin at the top? Yeah, so it happens basically to almost all the horses, especially as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, naturally, when their tail gets braided, some of the hairs come out. Try as hard as you can, but it'll always inevitably happen. Um, there's a product I really like. It's called LeoVet No Rub, um, and it works really well if you put it in the tail to kind of help to regrow some of the hair. The biggest thing is whatever product, like every, there's lots of products that are good and helpful. Whatever you use, you have to really make sure it's clean before your braider has to braid it again. Cause a lot of the products have oils and like, they just make it so slippery. So when you're already struggling with shorter hairs, plus short slippery hairs, it makes it really hard to get the braid in and kind of give the hair the best shot possible. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I don't know, um, I don't know if it was you or, or someone else, but I remember having a particularly difficult horse to braid like a tail on and they, whoever braided it for me did some tiny little braids at, of hair at the top to like braid together so that it would hold like all the little pieces. Yeah, and so, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> go, go for it. So when it is like when the hair is shorter, it does help a lot if you make, they're kind of like anchor braids you can start with two little braids at the top. And if you add yarn into those, it gives you the length to kind of reach your braids across and it holds together better. Yeah. Um, you can also make like little French braids depending how long down the dock the damaged hair is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll do that and it kind of like covers the whole broken area. And again, if you add yarn, it gives you the length that you need to get across the tail. Um, the biggest thing with those I find I try to avoid them unless I really have to because sometimes when the braids get taken out the hairs get cut and it actually makes it a little worse then because then your already short hairs are even shorter and like you have to wait for it to grow back and stuff so I try to save methods like that for when it really is necessary um, but sometimes obviously you have to you have to help them out too. Yeah, and what is your best advice for securing a tail extension? Like for hanging a fake? Yeah. Um, so if you're just hanging the fake tail, I like to French braid it in almost. Um, I, I think, I guess the starting is your tail needs to be the right length for your horse. I, I do find across the board a lot that people kind of share tails and 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 it just like flips between horses, but tails really do need to be kind of custom made for your horse. Um, the length of the dock of the horse and then the length of the tail to their fetlocks really does matter. And the style of fake tail does matter as well. Um, the twisted tails have a nice tapered top and those pull into the braids really nicely. Um, so you don't have to worry about it kind of like securing or like making a bulky bottom or anything. Whereas the knob bottoms are, my least favorite I'm not gonna lie yeah. um they're just really visible they're hard to put in and they have to be precisely the right length because it sits right below the dock of the tail and has to then from sitting right at the dock land evenly with the bottom of their tail which especially when the tails get shared they don't always do that yeah and that makes sense and I think 
I think uh, people, I mean, me personally too, I really like to be able to like share and swap tales because they are, they can be an investment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so really for, that, us. for that, I would highly recommend then getting the twisted tails with the tapered top because you can pull it up higher and drop it down a little lower. Whereas yeah. the knob tops have to be that one length. The yeah. twisted tails give you kind of a couple inches to work with and they are a lot better for sharing. Oh, for sure. And then, so tell me about like what your hours look like then. <laughs> are you doing shift work yeah. or what's going yeah. on? The hours are definitely the tricky part about braiding. Um, it does depend kind of day to day and week to week and show to show, depending on what barns I'll go and stuff. Um, but I guess a typical glimpse into it Usually your weekday nights are a little lighter because on the professional days, there's less horses showing and the weekends are always really busy with all the amateurs coming out. So I try to kind of keep a bit of a normal life through the week. Um, you still work nights. That's just the nature of the game. Yeah. But usually I'll be done in the early enough morning that I can still go and, and do my chores and see my horses in, in the daytime. Um, whereas the weekends, generally speaking, I think most people have to start around 9 p.m. Like on a Friday night, you start at 9 p.m. And depending on how many horses you get through, like sometimes I'm still braiding on Saturday at like noon or one o'clock. Oh my God. <laughs> so it does like, when there's a lot of horses, it does get into some long nights. Um, yeah. But there's always a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I feel like, um, like, I mean, it's different. You have to like it a lot, obviously For sure. you do. And you get to work with horses and you get to be at the horse show. So there's like the bonus of kind of being in a space that you really enjoy. But what about the, um, the financial side of it? Are you tracking every, well, obviously you, there's a lot of tracking involved, but are people, this is interesting now that it's kind of transitioned into like a full-time thing. Is it, you know, pay per horse consistently. Is that what you're doing? Or do you have like a bit of a model where, you know, you can kind of snag a horse for a week show and then they have like a flat rate? Like, have you gotten creative with pricing or is it just per breed per like, you know what I mean? Like per, per breed? Yes. So pricing and I guess billing and all that has been kind of also a learning curve because yeah. I am not a business savvy person. So for me, pricing is the same. Like I, the price for a mane and tail is the same across the board. Like I don't charge more or less depending on who or where. It just gets too complicated trying to keep track of who owes what. So it's all consistent. It's all the same. Um, billing, I would bill at the end of a show. So most of the gold shows go two weeks. If you bill at the second week, then you kind of only have to do it once versus twice. Yeah. Um, Payments get a little tricky sometimes. Like everybody, obviously a good on-time payer is ideal. It's the easiest to keep track of. You know, you don't have to carry the one and remember who paid when and who yeah. didn't. Um, but it does get a little harder when you're trying to kind of catch up and remind people and stuff. But that's also just the way the world goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. I always think like even just before when you're doing it as like a side hustle and as a lot of readers are I think it's like really something that is a little complicated to track and it's it's almost always like a retroactive payment and yeah. 
that makes things complicated, I think. Yeah. Um, to be honest, when I was doing it part time, I actually found it a little easier because I, I think people almost like knew and understand that it was a part time thing. So, and when I was going barn to barn, like I would get to the barn, they almost always would have the money there. Yeah. Ready for them. And so, yeah. like, I got there, I got paid, I did the job. Like, it was even. Like, they got their braids, I got my payment. Like, it was always even. Whereas now, I find it's a little trickier almost because, like, because I'm always at the show, like, it's not a one stop thing. Like, it'll be like, oh, oh, I'll catch you tomorrow or I'll catch you next time. Exactly. Yeah. No, I totally feel you on that. And so, maybe, um, you can give us a little bit of advice if anybody is really interested in first learning how to braid their horse. <laughs> what should they do? Where should they start? And how do they get good at it? So um, that's a great question. <laughs> There's lots of great places to start. Um, I, I'm trying to think how I figured it out. I think I watched YouTube videos <laughs> in the beginning yeah, yeah just like just learning some of the basics like how to braid down and how to add your yarn that if you have kind of a bit of a functional knowledge of how to braid I think going in with a little knowledge like that and then you could shadow a braider um to learn the finesse and like the finer skills is always a handy thing um lots of braiders are like I would happily have people come and watch and teach and stuff like that um, there's plenty of people that are willing to help and teach and have you learn from. Um, I, I did watch YouTube and I bought, <laughs> actually it's kind of funny story now, I guess. <laughs> I bought the Lucky Braids for Top Turnout DVD by Ruth Ann. Oh my God. <laughs> I faithfully watched and paused and studied. Like I would study a little clip or a step and I would go and I would practice that until I, I felt like I mastered it and I would go back to the DVD and get the next step and like relearn that. And, and then, yeah, once I, once I kind of had basic skills, like I've had a lot of training from a lot of braiders that I really look up to too. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, something that you can always be learning. Like I'm always trying to be better and wanting to be better. There's always someone who has a little tip or a trick to do something differently or a perspective you never thought about that can help even professionals. Like I'm just starting out yeah. to get better too. That's so cool. I mean, I think it's also one of the things that I definitely learned as a kid is it's time, like the amount of times that you have to braid over yeah. and over and over to get it is definitely. Yeah. I highly recommend just, you know, just five braids a day, you know, you don't have to commit to the whole main or anything like that. If you just, if you, if people are wanting to learn, like to just do a couple every time you're like just throw it into your grooming routine, you know, you curry, you brush, and then you do a braid or two. I love it. it just re the repetition does help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because I think that anybody, I mean, there's no one listening who isn't into horses, but <laughs> I think that they would wonder like how we could possibly talk about this for, I'm sure we could probably go for an hour, but once you do it, you realize there's so many different things and little tedious pieces. And, um, and I have to ask, um, you know, for people who are starting to learn how to braid, I think that for my kids, the biggest mistake was always <laughs> braiding under and not over and not like being able to get their yarn in there. And it requires so much coordination. Um, and so is there any, uh, 
any, I guess, advice that you have for um, braiding a horse that doesn't stand very well? Because I think that's another challenge for, for anybody, braiders included, when we have sure. horses that don't tolerate it and how you like maintain your stoicism and try <laughs> to get braids all together. <laughs> Well, for trying to learn, I would suggest maybe borrowing a horse that will stand a little quieter because it's already like a compounded, like you're trying new things and just an extra layer of the equation is if your horse is giving you a hard time, that's maybe a challenge to, to conquer on another time. Um, but for me, I find like, I think if you go into a horse optimistically, like I, we braid a lot of horses that have never been braided before. And I just kind of go into it like knowing that they maybe don't know what's going on, but giving them the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time. Um, a lot of them, you just have to slowly kind of coax into all of the new environments. Like there's not many times that someone's standing three steps on a ladder right beside them and, and shining a bright light and soaking their hair right by their head and stuff. Um, so I think like if you just kind of go in gently and quietly, a lot of horses appreciate that and settle down really quickly. For some of the ones that are more tricky for longer, um, I do find doing them in their stall is easier. Um, it helps when you can put a horse against the wall because then they kind of only have one direction to be naughty, if that makes sense. Whereas yeah. when you're in cross ties, they can go forward and backward and side to side and it gets a little more difficult and can be frustrating. Um, but for the most part, I do find like a lot of the horses catch on really quick. Um, maybe I guess the biggest thing some of them do have problems with is if the horse is like sensitive around their ears. Yeah. But again, I think like if you just go slow and take it patiently with them, a lot of them do really appreciate that and figure it out really fast. Yeah. So can you give everyone the lowdown of your equipment that's needed in a, not only a braiding kit, but I mean, if you're braiding at night, I'm assuming you have like a headlamp or something, or <laughs> you can give yes. everyone a list of stuff. <laughs> so the braider starter package. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll step stool or step ladder. I prefer a three-step stool. The taller you are, kind of the easier it is on your shoulders, mm -hmm. but definitely personal preference. There's lots of people that braid with two steps or some even taller ladders. So a ladder, um, I use a sponge. Some people use a spray bottle to wet the manes and the tails. For me, it's a sponge. You could carry a bucket to keep your own water and keep it fresh. Um, I like to braid with a braiding belt still. It kind of keeps everything contained and where you want it to be, but lots of people put things in their pockets. Um, so then I'll use a pull through, which I think is like a rug hook, technically it's called. Um, I use a clip and a, the clip is kind of my comb as well to separate and keep the hair partitioned while I'm braiding. Um, I'll use a little main comb to pull if needed to brush the hair through um trying to think what else i used i have a long pull through um i really like it it helps with the forelocks if you ever have a big forelock it just gives yeah. you that extra length so you don't like ruin your braid when you're trying to pull the yarn up yeah and same with the tails it gives like that's how you can pull a tail up and adjust into the braid as needed but definitely the basic like you can get them like the little starter kits that that's still what I'm using. I've just maybe modified a couple of the pouches, but I'm using all of the same tools as, as the beginner kits give you. Yeah. Do you have any pet peeves as a braider? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, I think the biggest thing for me is just communication. Mm. Um, I, it's really when you're having a busy night and you get to a horse that nobody told you was going to be not prepped or could be naughty or had never been braided, things like that do go a long way. Like just a little heads up or subsequently like having a horse added to your braiding list that you didn't know was on the list like that that's an hour's time difference and if you don't have the time in your budget then all of a sudden it becomes stressful and and just rushed and you all like ultimately I'm as a braider we're all trying to give your horse the best turnout possible so it's always great to like be given the best opportunity to do that for the clients as well yeah, of course. I think that's probably like with anything too. <laughs> yeah, like we all we all want to see the same horse go to the ring and be successful. And and I I take a lot of pride in seeing my horses that I've braided like do well with their owners and their riders. Like I love to see it. We all do. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. so exciting that you that you're. I'm so excited for you that this has been like a full time thing and that you're so busy and that there's. A, Tori's saying, guys, that there's a demand for good, reliable, <laughs> talented braiders. So it's definitely possible. You just have to be very committed. I love that. Okay, last weird question. Do you ever count braids? Is there like an average amount of braids that you like to fit in <laughs> to a mane on a horse? <laughs> I think, yeah, there's kind of like a mythical, you know, if you don't have over 30 braids, you didn't do a good job or something like that. It definitely depends oh, on no. the horse. <laughs> I like some people will put 50 braids in and that's just too many for me like they get cramped and cluttered and sometimes it doesn't look good but if your horse has a really long neck maybe they wear 50 braids really nicely <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah. I would say for me like the magic the perfect horse with that nice perfect hair and all that stuff is like 35 braids that's great <laughs> oh, that's so cool yeah and um what else? What else can people, oh, like for anybody who's pretty new to braiding, can you advise them where to start on the neck? <laughs> where um, should they start at the top? Should they start at the bottom? Yeah. So I would say 95% of people start at the top. There are some braiders that I know that start at the bottom, but it really like, I'm a one-sided thinker. I, I'm a very methodical thinker, so I, I can't do that. I don't think uh, I could either. <laughs> yeah. Like everything becomes backwards then like the way you flip your hair and the, like, it's just all mirror. It, it really throws yeah. my head off. So personally, I would say start at the top. It's easier. Um, but that maybe your preference is different. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool though. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and we completely winged it, but it was perfect because there's so much information, uh, for everyone listening. So I, uh, thank you again so much. And if anybody is interested, you know, in shadowing, they have braiding experience and they want to learn from someone, I'm sure, um, you guys could reach out to Tori or just if you have questions about braiding or braiding as a business, cause, oh, of course, if you need a horse braided, <laughs> Thank you, yeah, so thank you so much for having me on here. That is everything for today's episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed and got lots of information out of this particular topic. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Braiding has never been my favorite thing to do. It's definitely something that I've had to do for my own horses growing up. And 
also for client horses for many, many years, but it's just not one of those things that I feel like is I'm an absolute artist at. We can certainly get away with good, good braids, but there are some people who are just fantastic. And Tori's one of those people. She's really, really artistic and she's very consistent um, and she does a fabulous job. So make sure you guys reach out to her if you have any questions. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Take care, guys.